touch, pause, engage. and welcome to Podslam number 97, creeping ever closer to the big century. Uh, as usual, brought to you by strike.com.au, Australia's largest retailer of Bluetooth and car kits, I believe is the blurb I'm supposed to use. Um, anyway, cutting straight through that, I've got Scott with me. Scott, how are you? Good, Timsy, and yourself? Mate, I'm, I'm pumped, ready to go. I've a big triathlon on the weekend. Ready to, yes. ready, to, ready to keep that momentum going. And to do that, we've got um, Laurie Fisher here. How are you, Laurie? Oh, good, thanks. Yes, yourself? Oh, mate, I'm not too bad at all. Was it a uh, nice flight back from Dunedin? Uh, listen, it's, it's a, a long number of flights back from Dunedin to Canberra, but uh, always better off after a win, so I no, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh, not many direct flights between the two, is there? No, no, it's uh, it's quite a uh, quite a difficult place to get out of. But a couple of stopovers, they've got a couple of beers, and uh, <laughs> so it was, it was good. Nice work. Good for the points, though. It's always good for the points. Here's my word: is I was making plans. So, so what 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 changed? Because it, I, I thought I thought that um, it was a much you know the last couple of weeks things had sort of slowed down a little bit, but you'd seem to be the um, you're back. Must yeah, listen. I, I mean, I, I think uh, I mean four weeks against uh, the big South African sides and, and their direct style of play. It wears you down. Like, like we're not we're not a big side, and uh, you, know, you, you you play the the Stormers, the the Sharks, the Stormers, the Bulls, and then the Kings. You know, who are a big and swarming defence side and and, and physical two man tackles. So it does take its toll. And uh, and it certainly took its its toll on us. On us, we, we sort of freshened up with a couple of days off, and and then and then trained well for the whole of the game, and started getting back somewhere towards where we were at the start of the season. Uh, Laurie, I think the thing that showed up most for me was your defence. You know, you look back to the uh, defence pattern you'd had earlier in the season, and I noticed on Twitter that a few people had made mention of the fact that Brian Smith hadn't been around. Did he? He obviously had had a pretty good impact during the week. Yeah, look, uh, Brian's a regular visitor on Tuesdays when he can, and he certainly he, he always he has an impact. Like he's a, a very experienced coach, and uh, he he delivers information well, and and he and he sees issues in our games from a, from a, a different perspective. So he he adds he always adds value. Like he's he's fantastic to have around. And and yeah, look, our defence did go forward. But, but probably not uh, as far as we would have liked it. I think we've got some massive ground to make up for this weekend. If you look at uh, the threat that the Reds pose around that rock area and then in their wits game, that uh, if we defend like we did last weekend, we'll be sorry losers on Saturday night. Yeah, so just in, I mean, that that's, looks like it's going to be a cracker of a match on Saturday. When did you as coaches start planning for that match? Is it something you addressed this week or have you been thinking about it for a little while? Uh, well, I, w- I, mean, I would have done most, or I would have done all my uh, 
bar the Chiefs game, would have would have looked at all their games late last week. So Thursday, Friday, last week I did uh, most of my Reds analysis, and then would have did a little bit more after their victory against the Chiefs on the weekend. But I would have had like ninety percent of uh, of the ideas in in, in what I, in my area in terms of what we what we need to do to to, to counteract them or to or to put them under pressure. Looking back, yeah, obviously you've looked back since the beginning of the season. Then, how much, how much has it changed as their as their bigger names have come back, and and what what threats have they added? Well, it, it's it's a it's a massive change. Like I, I mean, I had to look at uh, at game one, but it really it's not really relevant. I think with with uh, Genia and the improvement that makes to Cooper's game, James Hallwell back in, and I think just a general. Uh, lift in the side that they've and, and you know, they, the, the key part in their game is that they've started to really get some width on their game uh, whether it's off turnover ball or kick off receipt or kick receipt but uh, uh, or, or to play out from their 22 that they've really got some good width in their game and they tend to probably tighten up as they get a little bit closer to the to the attacking try line so they, they've really started to challenge you sideline to sideline and, and as I say when they get closer they can challenge you quite strongly with forwards with more or pick and drive or, or just some uh, back and forth type play with Denny pulling the strings. And in terms of your game plan going in, um, I mean imagine you're like most teams, you've got a base game plan that you, you work to and then you add variations in depending on the opposition. How much of a variation can you throw in from week to week without, you know, confusing the issue a little bit and making it too complicated? Yeah, look, I mean, most of our most of the base stuff is there, and it's just more of this and less of that uh, in any given week. So, it, you know, there might be a couple of different things. We try not to change too much at all, but as I say, that you know, we've got a reasonable amount in the tool shed, and. and you're certainly not going to get anywhere anywhere near all that out on any given weekend. So you've just got choices from what you've been working on uh, over a period of time. So, uh, but but then you, know, you play a side like the Reds, and they're a difficult side to play too much football against. I mean, they're, they're very hard at your ball. They're very strong defensively. So you, there's no point in going in with a massive menu. Just you're not going to get it out. Yeah, and. Um in terms of once you've worked out what your game plan is, how you're going to attack a particular team, do you do you look to change selections based on that, or are you, or are you more looking at we've got the same team and we're just going to ask them to play a little differently? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I, I don't think you. Uh, I mean, your selection is not necessarily based on who you're playing. But I guess it may be to some extent. But but again, our, our game's not built around necessarily that this player can deliver this and that player can deliver that. They can all... We don't have anything extraordinary that, that, that any one of our four or five wingers couldn't deliver on or, or any one of our four or five front rowers really. Just, you know, some of them are at a more advanced stage and a slightly better football at this point in time, but, but I don't I don't think we're worrying too much about that, to be honest. Yeah, because I thought the Chiefs might have disrupted themselves a little bit by making the changes they did to their back row based purely on what the Reds do, rather than focusing on their own game? Is, yeah, is quite possibly, but I, I guess I guess they still try to play a fair bit of their own game. I mean, they, they, they do take risks. I mean, they've they been a, a very, very high turnover and, and mistake side all year. Um, I, I recall back to that first game against the Highlanders. I think 
that, that they had 35 errors in their game that day, and uh, and, and they're constantly up around that 25 to 30 error mark in a game. And, and then when you come up against a side who who is well organised in defence, who is hard at your ball, uh, who's extremely motivated to get a result, then uh, they 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 got punished more than they have in any other game for their uh, high risk rugby. Okay. Yeah, so um, no particular plans you can give us for this weekend about what you're going to do? Or? Uh, listen, I, I think you can probably look at previous Reds, Brumbies matches over the last uh, season and a half and, and maybe draw some solid conclusions from that, but uh, I don't think it would be, be wise to, to divulge the game plan right now. Um, okay, probably well, wasn't even worth a try. <laughs> you have to ask, Scott, you have to ask. Um, I, I did ask on Twitter just a moment ago if anyone had any questions, and Alicia Mars come back and asked, "What's what's the biggest threat? That, uh, what, uh, sorry, what's going to be our biggest challenge against the Reds?" I'm assuming she's a Brumbies fan. Alicia is, yeah, she's yes, a great yes. Brumbies fan. Yeah, no. Uh, what what is the Reds' biggest threat? Like, like, I mean, I. Obviously, Genia and Cooper playing particularly well, but I think they've got the whole team playing well on the, the back row. Um, I, I guess for us, that if, if their forward pack doesn't function, if their line-out doesn't deliver quality ball, if their scrum's under pressure, if they don't get a game on quick release uh, on their forward carries, then I, then I think you, you can negate, to some extent, the influence of the backline players. So I to us, the biggest threat is allowing them uh, clean, quick, crisp ball, uh, be it from ruck ball or set-piece ball, and that's the danger. Because if, if Genia and, and the players outside and get that, then you're in for a tough day. Mm. Mm. What's your biggest threat to the Reds? Um, listen, I, I, I think... Look, I think we've been solid through set piece this year. I don't think there's any specific set. If you look at our team on any given day, that, uh, that most often you, you won't, your breath won't be taken away by any one or, or two single performances like some guys have done particularly well. But generally, it's, it's the whole team function. It's everybody doing their job. And I think if we turn up on the night and everybody does their job and they do it to the best of their ability and, and we really knuckle down and and work hard, but I, I think that's that's our biggest threat, that we have, we'll have 15 guys on the park doing their best for the entire time they're on the park, and I think if you do that, then you're going to be a threat to any side. Mm, good. And when are you guys coming up to Brisbane, Laurie? Uh, we're coming up Friday morning, so we'll have a bit of a, uh, a run around at, the, at, the, at Suncorp on, on Friday afternoon, and, and then obviously out there to perform on Saturday night, which is... I mean, they'll be in a wonderful atmosphere. I mean, Reds are, are drawing great crowds. Uh, it's a fantastic stadium, so it, it really is going to be uh, uh, an excellent occasion, I think. Uh, again, it might be, I don't know, it's been a bit of rain up there. I don't know that it'll be the free-flowing game that people might hope for, um, but maybe just a little bit more attritional, possibly, but uh, time will tell. Yeah, if, if there's the weather has been pretty crazy over the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks really up here. So, um, Suncorp does drain well, so hopefully that won't play, you know, make too much of a difference. Uh, but look, looking outside the game, watching Twitter, getting a lot of questions coming through. Um, a lot of them seem to be about one G Smith. Um, there's two questions there. 
has, any, has anything been done to keep him a little bit longer, or is there not really something you can tell us right now? Oh, look, I, I, I certainly, I, I think Jake, well, I know that Jake has been in, in contact with uh, with people who will be making decisions about that. So, uh, but, but again, I, I guess we need to see how the next uh, six, seven weeks unfold, that, that there's no point in making a request if, if we're not a genuine f- finals contender. So we don't, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves that, that, um, yeah, that there's obviously been contact made, but uh, we, we need to just get a little bit further down the track, see how we're progressing and see then if, it, if it's worthwhile. Okay, so wh- how long have you actually got him for at the moment? Uh, I, I think he's still until, uh, until the, the break for the Lions series. Right, okay. Um, one, one of the questions has actually come from Matt Rowley, um, and uh, he's actually asked, is George Smith up to playing the Lions? Do you, do you think he's still got it? <laughs> I'm not, not sure if that's oh, yeah. a tongue in, tongue-in-cheek type question there from, <laughs> from Matt, but... Uh... Oh, look, he's definitely, he's definitely of that standard. There's no doubt about it, but... Uh, Again, I I think contractually that it's it's not a go. I, I don't, honestly don't know the circumstances and and haven't taken too much interest in it as such. I take more interest in, in the quality of the form of Liam Gill. That's, that worries me more than uh, than George's availability or non availability for the Lions. Yeah, he's, uh, he's and obviously Laurie this week. You know, a good vote of confidence for you guys, the whole club, with ten guys into the uh, the logistics camp. Um, does that does that give some of those young guys who got their first crack, and and even some of the older guys who got their first crack, that give them a bit of added confidence to come back to you guys this week? Oh, yeah, look, I think it's a boost for them. So yeah, guys, an older guy like Fotter, who's who's sort of chasing the dream, it's a wonderful boost for him. A guy like Christian, who who's been dogged by a bit of bad luck over the last couple of years, it, again, it's it's a wonderful recognition of of uh, the form that he's in and. If you look at the horrific injury he had and and the quality of football that he's been able to turn out this year on the back of that, so look, I, I think it's it's always great to be recognised. It's certainly not like it's it's not as if you've been picked to play a Test match as yet, but to be recognised that you're you're up amongst the top players, and you could be part of that series. I, I think that's that's uh, got to give you a, a nice little boost. Good, and, and speaking of the Lions tour, you would have been a keen observer of uh, Munster's performance in the quarterfinal in the Heineken Cup the other day. Yeah, look, they were at their intense best in, in that game and, uh, and and driven by uh, Paul O'Connell back in the fold. So, yeah, they're certainly at their best when their backs are against the wall and, and you know, with, with Paul leading them, they're a, they're a fantastic side. They, uh, they don't need to score tries to beat you, but they will... Uh, uh, just work your ears off. Honestly, uh, uh, they play with, with unbelievable intensity when, when they're at the top of their game. And uh, I think it's something that, that perhaps the Southern Hemisphere rugby supporters could grow to love if you, if you just understand the effort and intensity and passion that they play with. And, uh, uh, and again, didn't score a try on the weekend, but boy, what an unbelievably committed performance. Yeah, and, and I was going to say about Paul O'Connell, there's surely no doubt that he'll be, if not leading the Lions tour, he'll certainly be on it. Yeah, look, I think he, he's, uh, as, as obviously the previous Lions captain uh, in the, in, on the South African tour, that, that if he's uh, in any sort of uh, physical state, that appears that he's, he's got over his back problems and he's he's had, uh, what, four or so games now. So he'll, 
I'd suggest that he'll be on the tour and he may well be captain and, and he'll uh, he'll be a challenge for our, for our locks to a wonderfully experienced player and and uh, and a, a wonderful competitor. Yeah. And uh, talking of Ireland, have you heard any inside whispers on the Ireland coaching job? Uh, not a lot, but, uh, but I, I guess there's a lot of talk about Joe Schmidt and, and Joe has done an awesome job with Leinster over the last three years and you'd think that, uh, again, his his knowledge now of Irish rugby and, and his understanding of the setup that that uh, he'd be a wonderful candidate. But then again, I'm sure there are there are other good candidates out there uh, who'll be who'll be uh, part of that interview process. But I I I think Joe would be to, to me would be the forerunner for for that position. Yeah, and Jake Jake White has made it uh, quite clear that in the future he would like to look at another international role. What about yourself? Oh, that's something. Yeah, for an international role. Well, I mean. Yeah. Like all like all coaches, I've got ambition uh, to uh, further my career to, to look at different opportunities. So uh, certainly, I'm not going to be coaching at the Brumbies for the next uh, next ten years. I hope to be in coaching for that period of time. So uh, so at some point in time, I'll be looking for other opportunities. I certainly think I'm more than capable of coaching at that level. Uh, but you know, coaching is about the right place at the right time and the right opportunity, and it uh, it may come and it may never come. Yeah. So uh, I know you don't want to commit yourself to anything and you never know what happens uh, tomorrow when you wake up, but does something like the Rebels head coaching job, would that interest you? Uh, I'm what I'm particularly interested in at the moment is, uh, is, is the Bumbies for this season, and I've spoken to no one and, and entertained no thoughts about going anywhere else at this stage. I thought you'd answer that way, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, no, look, again, it's it's just it's like players that you, you if you get, if you start thinking too far ahead, that you you'll end up going backwards. That uh, the, the job at hand is hard enough as it is, and and uh, to be distracted away from that uh, is is not going to do anybody any good. So uh, I'd love nothing more than to get the bumpies over the line this year that we worked. Uh, long and hard. The club's been through some good times and some tough times, so I'd like to think that we could uh, take advantage of an opportunity. Yeah. Well, certainly we're all looking forward to this game on Saturday. I think uh, it'll be the game of the year so far. Look, it's going to be it's going to be one tough game, and it's 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 uh, you know, you're looking at the two sides that have, have uh, probably go hardest at the tackle contest uh, of all sides in the competition. Uh, Reds have, over the last couple of years have been been the hardest, and, and we've tried to improve that aspect of our game. So again, there, there, there'll be a lot of work done to try and stop the opposition team from playing, uh, and hopefully that'll leave some energy and ambition to to get a bit of rugby out uh, ourselves or for both teams. So it's going to be an interesting contest, but I think there's good knowledge of of how each side plays. So um, you know, it's the balance between stopping. An opposition and or in creating yourself, and you really don't know until the game unfolds what that balance is going to be like. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'll find. I'll be there. I'll find out. <laughs> We're all excited. All right, no problems, mate. Well, I'm sure you've got plenty of uh, of prep left to do, and probably won't get much sleep tonight. So I won't won't take up too much more of your time. But um, hopefully, we'll catch up on Saturday night. 
most definitely that I'll, I'll, I'll be there, mate. So uh, hopefully having a, a Forex at about uh, 9.30 in celebration is a bit of luck, but you never know. No, look, it's, it's going to be a good contest, two good sides. Two sides at the top of the table, then that's, that's great for Australian rugby, but, but again, we're only halfway through the pool stages, so a lot can change in that time, but uh, well, it's great to see Australian sides going reasonably well. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an interesting point too. The, I mean, this is top of the table, but we're kind of a week ahead of the rest of the conferences, aren't we? How, how Correct, much does, that, right, how, does that play into... Do you think about that at all very much, or...? Uh, not not at all, really. No, look like you, you obviously have a look at the table to see how you're progressing, and, and I certainly understand that that, uh, that we're a game ahead. Uh, but again, you know, you spend too much time on that. You don't spend enough time on the things that really matter. So uh, it, it's there, but it's not that important, really. The next win is the important thing. Absolutely. Oh well, good luck on the weekend, mate. Cheers. Thanks, good, lads. Good luck, Bye. Larry, and thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Catch up again. Alrighty then. Good chat as usual from Laurie. Yes, I couldn't get an answer out of him on that question though, because well, I, I think he'd be an ideal candidate for the Rebels' head coaching position. Um, I before, know he's been before the... we before we start talking about how ideal. It, We've got another candidate for the Rebels position that's just joined us that we should probably introduce. Mr. Cavill, Hugh, how are you? I'm good, Barber, yeah. I'm not sure what you get called these days. <laughs> what are the kids calling you? <laughs> oh, they Whatever they want. But uh, look, uh, I'm pretty crazy, but even I'm not crazy enough to throw my hat in the ring for the Rebels job. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, start on, you know, I'll start on something a bit easier first to work my way up, maybe. Yes, yes. Well, sorry, Scott. I've finished introducing you, uh, interrupting you with an introduction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, we'll get yeah. there. Well, and I know Laurie's been the head coach of the Brumbies before and, you know, he's a Canberra man from a long way back. And you never know, Jake White could get the Wallabies job and Laurie could slap, step up and the head coach of the Brumbies again. But, you know, there's, there is a position going. The Rebels have announced that they're going to advertise the role and the um, Damien Hill will be asked to reapply and has said he will reapply um, whether he's any chance or not but you know particularly if the Brumbies continue to go so well Laurie Fisher would have to be someone they'd chase surely well, you'd have to ask I mean if you're doing if you're doing your job running an organization you, you've got to seek the best candidates haven't you well, here's a question. I'll direct this one to you, Scott, because I suppose as a coach, you'd be you'd be sort of uh, the person to, that would consider this. But, I mean, what, what do you think is a more attractive proposition for Laurie? I mean, yes, at the Brumbies, he's an assistant coach and he's he's not the, the man in the in the chair, so to speak. But it's a successful team. It's, they're riding high and they've got a pretty good culture, obviously. Uh, the Rebels, well, you know, yes, he'd be the top dog, but the problems they've got off the field there, the problems they've got on the field. I mean, do you think he'd be hesitant, even if he was offered, that that even though he'd be head coach, it might not be as appealing? I mean, what would you take? Uh, I think everybody's different. Some, you know, obviously, if you, ha- if you hang at the Brumbies, Jake White, you know, has already made it clear that he would like another international role. So there's a very good chance that he'd be next in line at the Brumbies anyway, which I think would probably be his preference. But... Some guys would look at it and say, you know, what a challenge. If I could step in 
to the rebels, you know, which have got some corporate backing, you know, have got the basic structure there, and I could turn them around. It's a it's a real opportunity to shine, and I think anybody coming in when they're at a low point, you know, you really get to stamp your way on an organisation. It's a bit like Link did when he came into the Reds. Um, I mean, the Reds were an absolute low point. I suppose it's slightly different because Queensland rugby, you know, had a better base than Melbourne rugby or Victorian rugby. Um, but by coming in at such a low point, he was able to basically remake the whole organisation in, in his mould. And whoever goes into the Rebels, they could do that as well. Now, obviously, there's a, there's a higher chance of failure. But if you can turn it round, I mean, people really notice you rather than just walking into a top team and just keeping things going the way it's been going. It depends on the individual, I think. Yeah, a bit of a risk, but a uh, high reward. Yeah, great way to make your name. If you could turn the rebels around, um, I think people would offer you every coaching job in the world if you could turn the rabble around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and a rabble they are at the moment. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we will talk about them shortly. I'm going to do things my way because I'm top dog at the moment. And... Um, Let's talk about the Reds match versus the Chiefs, taking on the uh, defending champions. Champions from the last two years fighting it out. Cracking game. What do you think, Hugh? Uh, Is there a a rivalry in Super Rugby that constantly produces better games than the Reds and the Chiefs? Because every single one, as long as I can remember, seems to have been just... They're just belters. They're they're free-flowing, they're open, but they're not soft in any way. I mean... And this one was no exception. I thought the Reds were pretty dominant in the end. I mean, the, the scoreline certainly, um, I think they won by eight in the end, but um, I, I thought they were in control for most of the game. And and uh, it was certainly a, what I thought was a really just a good all-over team effort. Um, Quaid was good. Genia was good. I mean, Rod Davies was back, which is great to see. The forward pack was good. The line-out was good. The scrum was pretty solid. I mean, it, it was one of those... Um, team performances that the Reds were kind of renowned for a couple of years ago. And, and you've got to think this is a, a really big warning shot to the rest of the comp that the Reds, they, they were scratchy in the opening weeks, but they got, you know, still got the wins, more or less, um, with a few hiccups along the way. But um, now they look like they're really just starting to click, click into gear and start to get moving. And in a comp with no obvious front runner, um, you've got to think they're very close to it at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it was great to see Big Kev at full flight as well. Isn't yeah. it? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't that it? He'll be the linchpin. What a shame! Yeah. He didn't get the try. Well, hasn't he hit the ground running? It people thought after being out injured for so long, it might take him a while to to get back into the swing. But geez, he, a bit like Genia, they haven't wasted any time. Yeah, no problems at all. It's good, good for Australian rugby. Um, what about you, Scott? You 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 obviously watched it. Who would have missed it? But um, is it just is it just a case of the Reds love playing the Chiefs? Is it you know Link Link seems to you know always come up with the right right game plan for them, and they always execute it beautifully. I think the Reds just uh, you know they're getting up for that top team. Um, the Chiefs are you know they're an exciting team. Uh, I think as you said you know some of their other games like last year's game at SunCorp I think was probably the game of the season. It was just a fantastic game. And all year I've been watching some of the New Zealand teams play each other, some of those local derbies there, and just keep coming away saying, 
what a great game of rugby. You know, there's full of attack and absolutely hard at the breakdown. Everything you could want in a rugby game. And this is the first time that I think we've seen an Australian team participate in a game like that this year. There have been patches of brilliance, but um, that game had everything. Um, and I think what's happening is the Reds have just, as Hugh said, have just been getting better every week. Um, and it just so happened that they're, they're getting close now. I mean, I think they might be at 80 85%, and it just so happened that that's the week they played the Chiefs. Yeah, it's, it's a classic you know, the momentum-building sort of season that they're having at the moment. I've got to kind of wonder how much a team like that, that are in the position that they're in right now would hate the thought of breaking for the, for the mid-year test, what that's going to do for them. Yeah, I was just about to make exactly the same point. I mean, I've got this worry that they're going to build up so nicely and, and really start to hit their stride, and then boom, you know, they're going to lose Guinea, they're going to lose Horwell. I mean, they may or may not lose Cooper. That's a whole other debate. But even still, they're going to have the spine. Certainly, you know, you'd think six, six, seven players maybe taken out of that team, and and um, you know, do you think you just hope that that won't put them back at square one? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the same for every team in the comp. I think it's a real shame that we have to have that break. I understand the international scheduling is always going to take priority, but. We just can't seem to get that structure right where we can continue through in a competition. So I think what we've got one game back after the mid-year test break, um, and then we're into finals, isn't it? Yeah, one round. It's a um, it's a bit of a bit of a worry. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably say something a little bit controversial now, but you've got to think that some of the Kiwi coaches aren't going to mind their you know players going off and playing in the All Black All Blacks camp and stuff like that. But I, I wonder what our coaches are thinking about what they're going to be fed while they're away. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that, that that that's my worry. Um, I think they'd be more worried about, to be honest, injuries. Injuries. You know, well. I mean, you've got to think after three Lions tests, regardless of the result, they're going to be bloody brutal encounters and, and there are going to be casualties. And uh, even the ones that, that make it through are going to be pretty buggered after the end of it and have to hit the ground and go straight into Super Rugby Finals. Well, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. At least they'll be match fit. <laughs> That's something, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving right along, though. Um Back to the Brumbies. We, we touched on it a bit with Laurie, but um, you you weren't there. So give us your thoughts, Hugh. What do you think of that one? It was a pretty clinical performance, I thought, from the Brumbies. I don't think they really ever quite clicked into gear. It um, was one of those games where they started with an early try, kind of out of not much, and they scored a nut. You know, they, they – I wouldn't call it a – a huge dominant, a hugely dominant performance, but but um, they kind of got to I think it was thirty points to twelve or something without re- really trying that much. I thought, and then that, that that was it. That was the game over, and they and they pretty much um, cruised home from there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Highlanders are obviously struggling at the moment, but um, I think the Brumbies can have no no real worries with how they're going because um, it was it, it, it was a pretty easy win in the end. I thought. Yeah, that uh, that that first try it sort of came from nothing, but God Spate did a lot of work to get that that try down. Got it look good too. Uh, I think he's. I'd almost make the claim that he's probably the only winger in Australia that can pull that sort of try off at the moment. Um, it was something that Digby used to be able to do, but 
but I don't think I haven't seen him do it for a while. He's 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 in good form, but not quite, you know, 2011 Digby form. And that and I think that kind of a try is what he used to do. But um, yeah, I think as soon as Spate becomes eligible, you have to think he's he's a bit of a a strong candidate for Wallaby selection because he can do that sort of stuff. You know, create stuff out of nothing like that. Yeah, that's right. Scott, what did you say? Well, I absolutely agree on Spate. He's he's just playing brilliantly. Um, and I agree, and I think I used the same word on um, Twitter, clinical, was how the Brumbies were. Um, that's not to say they were boring. They just they they did what had to uh, be done, and they didn't ever really look in doubt in the match. Uh, I would have... I was hoping to see them actually close the game out a little more. I'm, having got to three tries after, you know, I think 55 minutes... Um, I was surprised that they didn't show a little more intent to go for that fourth try. They really had the Highlanders on the ropes. Um, and it's unbelievable to think the Highlanders just can't buy a win with all those players they've recruited. And I saw somebody had written a, a, an article today, I think it might have been on Fox, talking about Jamie Joseph, their coach. And he was the one who made the comment about playing the Australian teams. It was like playing schoolboys. Mm. And... Uh, <laughs> Those words are coming back to bite him right now. Yeah, although I will stick up for Jamie Joseph because I, I, I read that article and I, I thought back to a press conference I was at with him after the week he made those comments and the Waratahs beat them in Sydney. And Joseph seemed to say he was misquoted, I think, in that. But either way, uh, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it, it's funny. There's, I think there's parallels to be drawn between the Highlanders and what's happening in the Australian Conference with the Waratahs and the Rebels specifically, where the two teams that have been what you would call the heaviest recruiters in recent times, that would, I'd suggest, be the Waratahs and the Reds and uh, the Rebels and maybe the Force, seem to struggle for cohesion and haven't really made the results happen. Whereas teams like the Reds and, and the uh, Brumbies, who, I mean, have really got, um, you know, it's more uh, organic, have built, have built yeah. squads, yeah, more organically, a bit like what the Crusaders have, and to a lesser extent, the Chiefs um, are, are doing much better. And I think there's there's probably lessons there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's a good point. Yeah, there's it'd be an interesting uh, thesis for someone. You know, it's a university in Dunedin. Maybe <laughs> they can pick it up. Uh, there are there are rugby universities in New Zealand, are there? I think they're. they're I, I, I assume. Yeah. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> anyway. Um, Moving right along, the force. They, they they got a little bit more than a force this week, Scott. They did, which was great. I mean, yes, people, I've seen people questioning, you know, the, the uh, how well the Crusaders played. And the no fact Carter, no McCaw, no Reed. Was it the yeah. Crusaders? I'm not really sure. Yeah. They, they, you know, they are still the Crusaders. It's They're still, still worth the same like amount the of points. Crusaders. Yeah. Interesting. The Crusaders have always played... You know, what's known as the wide, wide pat, where they move the ball side to side. And incredibly, if you look at the comp stats at the moment, where they, they look at you know where teams are playing the ball, and on average, um, teams that take the ball wide, the competition average is 34% of the time teams play wide. The Crusaders are at 56%. So basically, you know, that says that all they do is their wide, wide pattern. But what it's starting to look like now, and this is what it looked like to me on the weekend, is they just get very lateral. They just move the ball so much. Teams know what they're going to do. 
And as long as they can adjust their defence, they just shut them down. That's what the force did. Uh, they, they did very well defensively. And all credit to them. They hung in there, regardless of the fact the Crusaders were without a number of players. It's still a win uh, over one of the top teams. So I thought it was very good for them. And wasn't it much needed for their season too? I mean, you just felt that they got a bit of momentum after that Reds game, but then they fruited it away and then, you know, they lost at home to the Rebels and you kind of thought, you know, you felt for the home crowds because they, you know, they seemed not to be able to perform at home and then, you know, they they looked like they were in, in for one of those seasons. But they, they really guts it out. I thought, you know, got an early try and all of a sudden it was 10-0 and, and then... And then um, having Sam Norton out, I think, really helped them, actually. I think he kind of um, gave them a composure in the last 10 to 15 minutes that they actually lacked in a few other games this season and in past seasons, where he kind of, I thought his kicking game was fairly astute. He didn't fritter the ball away. He knew when to hold it and knew when to distribute it. It it was, um, I thought he was a real linchpin of that performance. And I I mean, I thought Richard Brown was superb as well, but um, Norton Knight certainly... Um, you know, uh, did particularly well. Because you think back to the game earlier this season, and I'm just looking at it now, where they were leading against the Cheetahs, I think, um, at home. And they had the lead in the last 15 minutes there, and, and they kicked it out on the full a couple of times, and they gave away silly penalties, and they basically handed it to the um, to the Cheetahs. And I was waiting for them to do the same thing again, because it just seems to be what the Force do. But um, this week, they just stayed disciplined and... Um, Especially with Kaplan on the whistle, I think that's a pretty good achievement. Yeah, I was going to. I've actually got some notes from watching it, and it actually just says uh, Sam Norton Knight back better than when he left. Yeah. Which, which I think really, you know, obviously his time away has done him some good. You saw it that way, Scott? Yeah, I did. I, I was, I must admit, I was surprised at how well he performed. It certainly was better than when he last played. Um, he looks the best 10 the force have got. Um, much more in control than, say, Eberson. Um I know Kyle Goblin's going well at 12, but they seem determined to leave him there. So I think it's good for the force having a more experienced guy there. Um, he certainly kicked well, um, took his try well. But what, what I really liked, my favourite moment of the whole night, was at the end of the match, young Rory Walton, who was in tears on the ground that they'd won. Yeah, you know, I saw that. How amazing is that? It was like the, the passion was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And he's a he's a big unit. Um, it looks like he's got a future. Yeah, and I, I've got to say, you mentioned Carl Godwin, but geez, the more I watch, the more I see Carl Godwin, the more I really like him. I, I watched him a bit at the Under Twenties World Cup where he was playing ten, and I thought he was pretty ordinary. But, um, gee, he's bulked up and he's grown and he seems to be this a, a great combination of, of, a, of a ball player, obviously, as a background as a 10 and he's got a kicking game, but also um, he does have that, that brute force and I think he made 16 tackles in that game, um, which, you know, for a number 12 is a pretty good effort. So I think, you know, I think it's him and the Wallabies, it's a question of uh, when, not if. So he's not part of the logistics squad? No, no. What is no the logistics that. squad anyway? I'm not really, I think, really sure what it means. I think Godwin logistically is 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 okay. They don't okay. need to see him, but Fair um, enough. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Which is why Quay didn't get called up. Is that right? I'm not. Really I presume sure. so. Yeah. yeah. He knows how to move stuff around. <laughs> they got plenty <laughs> of photos of Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> um, which leaves us with the the off the the game we've already touched on, the Rebels. 
um, capitulating against the Kings. There you go, Scott. I stole your word there. Um, I've actually only got notes about the Kings, uh, and I actually said that I really enjoy watching them. They're playing like they don't care, and by not caring, I don't mean they don't care that they're out there. But and and I tried to describe this earlier, but you know, you get the teams, and that they they try so hard not to lose for such a long time in a game, and then the last fifteen twenty minutes, game's completely out of touch. They've got no chance. But then all of a sudden, they look like the shackles are lifted, and they get out there and really have a crack. And you know, you, you think, why can they do that from the beginning? Well, it's, it's as if no one thinks they can do anything anyway, so they've got nothing left to lose. So they're just out there having a blast. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Kings have actually benefited from the preseason when you know they were getting belted in the trials, and it looked like, for all intents and purposes, that they were going to be you know the worst team in the history of the comp and get beaten by eighty every week. Yep. And um, they've come out and and you know the thing though, as much as their attack is brilliant, their defense is just. Immense. I mean, against the Rebels, again, they just, it was physically dominant. You know, every, the amount of times the Rebels blokes were being, were being driven back in tackles and, and, um, the Rebels just couldn't get any go forward ball because they were being bashed. You know, it, it was, it was brilliant to watch from the Kings' perspective anyway. Yeah, even Laurie made mention of that, didn't he, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. He said they were very physical when they played them and they, they actually, they seem to have stepped up as their Australasian tour has gone on. Yeah. Um, you know, you can understand when you've been on the road for four weeks, you know, as you're sort of getting towards the end of it, you might taper off a bit, but they actually seem to be going from strength to strength. Yeah. So, uh, which is more than we can say for the Rebels. Yes. W- what's happening with them? What, what did we see? Was there any redeeming features there? I mean, they got off to a good start. Well, oh, well, look, they... Yeah, after you, Scott. The redeeming feature was that they were leading by 10 with 15 minutes to go. <laughs> you know, it, it, it looked like they'd done the job. Uh, they didn't play particularly well, but they were, you know, not cruising along either. But they were, they were certainly looking like they could win that game. And then the, just the last fifteen minutes, some of the things they did. Well, about I mean, five, I, five to go, they they lost a player, the yellow card. Yeah, but before that, that same player, Jordan Reed, when he would made that break and he threw that inside pass, that was that wasn't even a fifty-fifty. That was a 2080 in the wrong direction. Um, I mean, I understand, you know, young guys make mistakes, got a little bit excited, but just take the ball in and recycle it and then someone kick it down the other end. And, you know, I thought that was the turning point of the game, actually. Yeah, it's an art to closing out a game, isn't it? Yeah, and look, they've got a lot of guys that are still learning how to play, um, but they've got enough experience in there. Um, Guys like... You know, even Mitch Inman, you know, his first try in what, 39 games of Super Rugby. He's played a fair bit of rugby. He, uh, Scott Higginbotham, um, James O'Connor. I mean, these are all experienced guys who should have been able to get them home. And uh, it was very disappointing. What do you think, Hugh? Yeah, look, I, I agree. I mean, I was going to say that was the positive, that they should have won the game. They scored enough points. They scored, I think, three tries. Um and uh, they looked to be slowly getting on top. But then you could just see, I don't know, just a real momentum shift. The Kings kicked up a gear and the Rebels started wobbling and, and you know, started pushing passes that weren't on, started giving away silly penalties, started, you know, 
kicking kicking kickoffs out on the full. I mean, it's just if you were Damien Hill, you'd almost give it away. It was just the the amount of little errors that were that were killing them. It was so frustrating to watch, and and it was a game they should have won quite comfortably. And in the end, in the end, didn't and in front of the home crowd. That's you know, that's kind of unforgivable. Yes. Yes, well, I saw a lot of their fans on Twitter and uh, making comments on our forum about the fact that you just don't respect our jersey. Um, and there's a few people starting to get very disillusioned with what's going on. But as you say, the coach, I mean, he's not coaching people to kick it out on the full and throw silly passes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, see, that being said, though, I would feel hypocritical laying the blame that I do at Robbie Deans' feet if I didn't blame Hill for what's going on there. He's got enough good players to do something with it. Uh, so he may not be the one throwing the passes out, but he's the one who's not doing something right. Well, whether absolutely. he's not being hard enough with selection, whether he's got something wrong with the culture, whether he's tactically inept, I'm not sure which part it is. I'm sure it's not all of them, and I'm sure it's probably not any one of them specifically, but something's not right. No, don't, don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, the coach has to take responsibility for setting the platform, getting the guys in the right frame of mind, that they they don't do those sorts of things. Um, so, yes, he, he he has to wear the blame for it. That's that's the nature of the game. And as the coach, I mean, I can't see him being reappointed. No, uh, me either. Unless no one puts their hand up, but that won't happen. There'll be plenty of guys put their hand up who are decent coaches. Um and he's had a crack, and it's not getting better. That's the problem. Yep. It's, they've recruited quite well. It's not getting better. Um, but there was one guy playing in the game who, talking of recruiting well, I don't think the Waratahs have recruited very well at all with Nick Phipps. Um, I think the Rebels would be quite happy to have Luke Burgess in instead of Nick Phipps. So, sorry, Hugh. I think you've got a dud there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... I suppose it all depends what price we got him for. Look, I think Nick Phipps is is much maligned. I think he's at his, you know, when he's playing at his best, he's a good super player. Um, a few seasons ago, when I think it, oh, it was his debut season, I thought he was very good for them. Um, his pass, you know, is erratic, but most of the time is pretty crisp. Um, so, you know, and his performances for the Wallabies certainly haven't been disgraceful. I don't think he's the, he's the worst pickup in the world. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that he's not someone you can really you really build a team around. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. As I say, it depends what price we got him for. I wouldn't be f- if we shelled out top dollar. I wouldn't be particularly thrilled. Put it that way. Perhaps it's coaching. Maybe we'll see. You know, everything change once uh, checks gets into him. Yeah, well, look, I mean, McKibben, Brendan McKibben's there now. I'm not a huge fan of. I mean, I think Matt Lucas is 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 kind of a, a guy that I hope we would be moulding and and um, looking to start, you know, in in future years. So that was why Phipps's signing surprised me somewhat because I thought that Lucas is kind of the seems like the guy that is a future and and could be a lot better than Phipps and certainly has that sevens background. Yep. They're, they're kind of similar players. So yeah, I don't know how we'll approach. I, I I think obviously. McKibben might will end up offshore. Seems to be the consensus. Yeah, there's been he's been linked to Scotland before, hasn't he? So yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. But anyway, moving right along. That's that. That's last week. Do not want to dwell on the past. Let's look into the future. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to tip live. I had a pretty shit week last week. I only tipped two. Thought I'd Can pick I a few actually, upsets. 
can I can I cut in on some of the tipping front? Something I forgot, and I do All need, right. and it's rare that I do this, Tim. So you, as you know me, it's rare that I try. I, I um I uh, blow my own trumpet, so to speak. But um, I, I will publicise this in the top five. But I tipped, I did tip the Force to beat the Crusaders no. on this podcast, on this very podcast, and in my top five on March in the middle of March, March the sixteenth. Um, so that's my that's my tipping wonder story of the year. Nice. So uh, it's they're pretty rare the ones I get right, but yeah, when yeah, I do, yeah. I feel well, like I have to. Uh, you've got to, I have you've got to, to inform. Yes, yeah, break yeah. it out there. Hang on, Hugh. I just pulled that up and had a quick listen to that podcast. And <laughs> what, See, he's what, quick on the analysis. <laughs> yeah, what you actually out. said was that'd be as strange as the force beating the Crusaders. <laughs> oh, well, look at this is semantics, I, I but misquoted, misquoted. <laughs> I think it was a bit of static there that crackled over when I when I said that. But uh, uh, look, Brave Tim's. Man I feel like tipping the force. <laughs> yes, I feel like Timsy after that uh, debacle with the Brumbies last year, where uh, I can't remember what I tipped them, but uh, I didn't. I don't think I tipped them for a, a particularly high finish. I feel like I have to have to come back with something. That's fair enough. <laughs> right. Well, I, I I picked two, and and one of Gaga's claims to fame a couple of years ago was that he'd never been beaten by a Gaga staffer in tipping. Last year I beat him. This year I was cruising. I dropped thirty places, and he's back in front of me. So I've got to fix it, and I need help. So first up, first up, we've got the Hurricanes versus the Force. Force away, Hurricanes at home. Who should I tip? As, as much as I, I like the force, I think it's a no-brainer there. I think you got to go the Canes. I was just trying to stimulate some conversation, but um, I, I've got the Hurricanes locked in there. Thanks for that. Um, now we've got a cracker, the um, Waratahs versus the Chiefs. SFS, you going, Hugh? I will be there, and won't it be a cracker? Hopefully a big crowd. Um, the gods and geniuses at Sands are on New South Wales Rugby have scheduled it at the same time as the Sydney Swans game, right at the uh, Oval next door. No so it's going to be absolute no cluster. <laughs> yeah, so if you're going to drive, drive early, uh, but don't drive, take take a bus or take a taxi. Um, I, I I don't know, the Waratahs, I think the Waratahs are, they're a tips, tipster's nightmare this year because they kind of, on their day, I think they can probably beat anyone. I mean, they certainly did with the Blues that were... And the, and they can. I've got a feeling that they can come out and do it. But um, I don't know the way the uh, Chiefs have been going, and I think they'll be a little bit more motivated after losing last weekend. So I think you, you'd probably have to err on the side of caution and go with the Chiefs there. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Scott? Agree? Yeah. Lock the Chiefs in. Locked in. All right. Um, I normally skip over them because I don't really care too much for the other countries. But uh, this, this Crusaders versus Highlanders. This is the ultimate phone a friend. I know. Look at this. I don't even have to hang up. Except, I mean, as much as a... I'd like to get a 50-50 on something. I'm currently sitting 119th on the Green and Gold Rugby (laughs) tipping on Super Brew. So I don't know where you are, Tims. I'll try and find you, but you... Uh, 58th, mate. uh, 58th. There you go. And look, I rose... I rose 47 spots to 119th, so <laughs> <laughs> haven't been in great shape. We're, we're you said you're going together. as well as I am uh, in, uh, what's that other competition? In fantasy. fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped changing my team. I don't even know what happened last week. I forgot to look at my team, so I could have had five players that didn't play. <laughs> yeah, you probably did. That's too hard, I think. <laughs> Crusaders. Crusaders are going to beat the Highlanders. Are you sure? Highlanders have got to be due a win soon. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's in Christchurch, and Dan Carter will be back. Oh yes, that's right, Daddy Dan. 
Um, no, no McCaw, though, for the rest of the season. Yeah, no. Corp ruled himself out. He said, no, nah, can't be fucked. Not going to play super rugby. It's not worth it. Not worth my time. Not worth my effort. I've won a World Cup now. I don't need to play that shit. I think he's just somewhere... I paraphrased a little, but uh, that, that was the message that he was sending. Isn't he also missing some of the international season? Uh, it, it only, he's only going to play te- against teams that he feels are worthy. <laughs> so he might. We might see him against um, you know in the in the the Tri Nations or the Four Nations or whatever it's called these days, the Championship. Um, but he's not going to bother with any European teams. You know what? I reckon that's why Robbie's not picking Quaid because he knows as soon as he picks Quaid, Richie's going to come back. Oh. Richie want to you know show up Quaid again, and so maybe by not picking Quaid, he's trying to keep Richie away. You know, that keep the motivation it. out. That could be it. That's as sensible a plan as any I've heard about Robbie Deans and his selections. <laughs> it makes more sense than anything he said. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've, we've locked the Crusaders in for that one. Um, double digits for that one? I mean, we've got his big points as well. Uh, uh, they're going to be cranky after losing the force. No one likes that. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to put them down for double digits against the, the bumbling Highlanders. Although I am worried that they'll click soon. Anyway, moving along, Reds versus Brumbies. Plenty of chat about this one. It's a point of this one, straight up. Game of the there... tournament, I dare say. I, I think so, too. Game of the tournament. It's top-of-the-table clash. Packed house at Suncorp. Oof, jeez. I mean, Brumbies are fit and firing. Same with the Reds. God, I, I think you've got to... I don't know, I think you, I've probably got to go with the Reds at Suncorp. I think the Brumbies faltered the last few weeks and the, against the Highlanders, I don't think they were really pushed. I yep. think the Reds are, are, I wouldn't say they're flying high, but they're certainly the form team of the competition right now. Got over the Chiefs and the week before they had the bye and then the week before that they got up over the Highlanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I reckon um, Reds, but it'll be close. Yeah, I've, I've gone by a multiple of three for that one. So I've gone Reds by six. You know, I was I was almost going to pick a draw in that game, but having listened to what Laurie said to us on uh, in the interview we had with him, where he you know he gave a bit of a hint that he expected there would be uh, it would be a quite dour game, lots of kicking. I wonder whether the Reds won't try and turn that back on its head for the Brumbies and actually try and play the same you know counter-attacking game and run the ball back and not play the kicking game that they have both tried to play in previous uh, matches between them. Mm. So um, I think the Reds can get there. It won't be by much if they do. Six, apparently. Okay. Word on the street. Sharks versus the Cheaters. I do like the Cheaters, but I don't think the Sharks will be beaten. Well, the Sharks are the team that are flying under the radar a bit at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, not me. I sit, I sit just across from uh, at work from from a Sharks fan, and uh, he, he does remind me every now and then about I mean, they're, uh, they're, how they're going. Yeah, they're sitting five and two after playing seven, and they're they're um, really only. I mean, the comp- the table's a bit hard to read at the moment with a couple of Aussie teams, the Reds and the Brumbies, having played nine to. Everyone else is eight, but you've got to think they're sitting almost, you know, first or second. Um, so, I don't know. I think and the Cheetahs are only just a few points behind that. So, mm. the, the, the Safa Conference is hard to pick this year, though. Yeah. I, I'm really hoping that the Cheetahs get up because the Sharks have gone into unimaginative rugby. Yeah. 
Patrick Lambie just keeps kicking goals. That's all they're scoring with. They're, they're, I think they've had a number of games they haven't scored a try. They've scored um, one bonus point win, so they've at least scored four tries. Yeah, well, they had they didn't score a try on the weekend against the Stormers. Um, the Stormers only scored one, but Pat Lambie just keeps kicking penalty goals. That's all they seem to have at the moment, which yeah. is surprising given the way they played last year. So, well, even I'm in the early that, rounds, you're hoping. What are you, what are the chances though? Should I tip them? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going the cheaters. You're going the cheaters. What about They're you? They're going to attack. And the so Sharks the shark- are going to try and shut it down. Sharks haven't scored a try since the 23rd of March. There you go. So, so they're not going that well. They might be winning games, but I think yeah. it's that's only like two weeks. Cheaters. Two weeks, isn't it? Well, they've, they've had the last two games have been no tries, and then they had a bye before then, and then that oh, was the okay. Rebels game the week before. Oh, well, but uh, yeah, Rebels, look, that doesn't certainly, count. certainly, this the Safford Derby's are just a bit different. Generally, though, I, I always struggle to pick them. I think. I generally are on the side of caution and take the home team. So I think I'll go with the Sharks. Uh, I think they might just have a little bit too much class for the Cheaters, but um, I would, certainly wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way. And I'd actually be cheering for the Cheaters because I think they're everyone's favourite South African team. Cheering for the Cheaters, that'll do me. Everyone said Cheaters. That's all I'm hearing. I've changed my tip. It's dangerous, but I've done Ooh. it. <laughs> You've talked me into it. So if it's wrong, it's your fault. Um, then we've got one more, Safa Derby, the Kings at home against the Bulls. Gee, I think that's a harder one to pick than any others. Yeah. That is harder. I've already, I've already locked something in, see if you guys think of the same thing as me. Sentimental favourite for me would be the Kings, yep. but I think the, I think the Bulls will get up. Yep. Yeah, I think you've got to tip the Bulls. Kings coming off a road trip, Bulls coming off a win at home. Yep. Uh, I mean, the, and the Kings, as much as they try hard, you know, they did well against the Rebels, but the Bulls should be a lot, a bit, a bit of a different kettle of fish, so I think I'd go with them. Yep, I locked in the Bulls. Um, that the, the, My thinking behind that is, um, if the Bulls win, I got a tip right. If the Kings win, I, I'm happy anyway, so. Yeah. That's one of those ones, you know, where you bet against your home team. Anyway, submitted. They're locked in. It's happened. Done. That's uh, saved me some work later on this week, and I've got no idea if there's injuries, selections, no thought at all. Thanks, guys. Well, now <laughs> we've done your tips, Timsy. Do you, I mean, do you just want to run through a couple of emails you got to answer, or do you want us to help you with uh, sort yeah, of yeah. shopping shopping list or something? Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually, uh, you know, <laughs> I've actually got a couple of questions for you. Um, I'm going to go ask this one to you, Scott, uh, and I've written my notes here, and it's pretty. I don't know if this is a Freudian slip or what or what, but bull pulver, the pulverizer, not the third tier. Yeah. So, what, is, I mean, what on, I saw on the, was on the rugby club. It's come out and said, ah, 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 I didn't mean the new third tier. Club rugby's the third tier. Super B. What I've got a this. I'm just going to paraphrase him again, like I did with Richie. But what 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 I'm trying to say is, we need to get better at playing rugby. So what we're going to do is we're going to leave everything the way it is, but we'll introduce a new game and we'll have young players that are coming through and they'll play a game that's not rugby, and that will make us better at rugby. Well, there you go. That's summed it up pretty well. So his proposal is to play one hour games. That one hour. That's the same as rugby, isn't it? Nope, different. Ah, yeah, but I mean that doesn't make much difference if you only play one hour. But yeah, it's yeah. the rule change. We get to the beer quicker. Yeah. 
Well, what he's saying actually makes a fair bit of sense there that you don't want to have a game that, you know, effectively goes for an hour and, you know, 40 minutes by the time you have stoppages. and We everything. always write off two hours for a game. I do anyway. Yeah, but what he's saying is people don't want to come two hours before the main game to watch another game. So if we if we got it to a condensed version of a one-hour game, yep. more people would be there. Therefore, they get to see some of the young talent. People might start coming half an hour early to see the whole game. That makes good sense. I, I, yep. I can understand the one-hour bit. Yep. But when okay. you start talking about changing the rules and, you know, introducing variations that are never going to be part of rugby. So, for example, the one he mentioned that they're on the rugby club is you can't kick for goal from any penalty. Um, no penalty kicks. No, no penalty kicks. Right. So, I mean, okay, he's trying to encourage running Which is, rugby. Yeah, it's trying to encourage running rugby, but I'm going to stay as the, you know, the anti the anti this. Um We've lost a shitload of games for kicking. Why would we want to play a game where we don't practice our kicking? Yeah. In pressure, in a game environment. What 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 it smacks to me of is Bill's just coming up and he's just throwing things out. He's yeah. generating ideas. It's like the random idea generator and I'll throw this out and see what happens. And clearly he threw out that the third tier is going to be Super B and whoever it is has had a word to him, whether it's clubs or whether it's... People it was actually me. I said I've already called Club Rugby the third tier. I've got oh, a hashtag for it and everything. Yeah, because then he's come back with, I may have confused people with the w- words I used. So, you know, he's sort of, he's, he's floating thought bubbles out there. Let's see what it happens. So I don't know whether that's the way to develop our game. Um, I'd, I'd be much happier if they got all the relevant parties together and, you know, yeah, came up with the right ideas uh, rather than just having lots of thought bubbles. It's, it's almost like you're proposing real leadership. <laughs> Far be it from me to say that. That's true, yes. Look, you, kind of t- to play devil's advocate a little bit here, I mean, I suppose you've got to look on the bright side and say at least he is coming out with ideas yep. and he, he, is, he is trying things for the third tier that we've been basically wanting to hear about for quite some time and we were very critical of John O'Neill for ignoring uh, that aspect and at least Pulver, he's only been there a short time. I think it's been about two months now and he's 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 coming out with, with I mean, he's some interesting ideas. ideas. So far, yep. Interesting ideas, but... Exactly, their ideas nonetheless, and as much as there's some semantic elements to, you know, things like the rules and, and, and things that um, that might generate a bit of discussion, be a bit controversial, but ultimately at least we're debating the minor aspects and not an overall, um, you know, a huge point about, I mean, what the competition is. I mean, everyone seems to th- agree that the Super B comp is a pretty good idea, and um, having it as curtain raises is a pretty good idea, and then playing a big club, introducing cl- uh, clubs into a tournament at the end of the season is a pretty good idea. So it, it's kind of like where I feel like we're closer now than we have been for quite some time. And yes, I hope that the end product is a good one. And and these little these little rule changes, I'm I'm not as crazy about just like you guys. But I suppose uh, the the optimist in me. Uh, is saying at least at least we're having a discussion about rules and not about you know big issues like uh, should we have a third tier and and what the hell should it be? At least we're kind of further down that road now. It seems. Mm. Oh, that's a good too, point. Too true. That's a very good point. Nice. I'll get off his back a little bit. All right. So <laughs> leave the pulverizer alone for a week. 
Um, which leads me to my next point. Uh, Gagger's own Luke Burgess is back. I think we alluded to it uh, a little earlier when we were talking about the Rebels. Signed with the AU and the Rebels. Uh, good news. Who's looking forward to seeing Burjo back? Yep. yep. Great news. Great news. He's a, he's a, um, a great footy player. And, um, yeah, I, I think he'd be, he, he's come back with the intent to play for the Wallabies. And, um, yeah, let, let's, let's hope he, he gives it a red hot go. And certainly, yeah, at least someone's got to put some pressure on White so, and Kenya. He's come back for he's due back in June, so we're just about just about to play the Wallabies. Um, oh, sorry, the Wallabies just about to play the Lions. Um, sh- should he be eligible? Um, should, I, I, I see I, no reason. I, I, I see I, no reason I, why I shouldn't. The the rules say you've got to be signed with the province. He's signed with the Rebels. Um, well, why not? I mean, Rocky proved he could do it. I mean, admittedly, it was against the. You know, who did he come back for? The He played for the Barbarians and then, I don't know, whatever it was, he came back anyway and he was eligible to be selected and in he went. Um, Scott, you've got a thought on this or? Oh, well, look, I mean, I think he should be eligible because mm-hmm. there's a there's a precedent in the past. But should well, should he you play? pick him? Well, I mean, Hugh, you're kidding if you say he's a great player. He's a good player. Oh uh, yeah, well yeah, okay. Well, great. It <laughs> and, all depends, and, I suppose, on your frame of reference there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, good as in who's he good compared to? He's certainly good compared to Nick Fitz. I know we were but, crying out for him at the end, you know, last year when White had his shoulder worked on and Genia got injured. Yeah, well, that was only because Genia and White were injured. And to me, Genia and White are above Luke Burgess, and he he. I don't think he ever reached the standard that Nick White's playing at at the moment. I can't see how you'd pick him ahead of Luke, of uh, Nick White. So no, I don't think he should be considered for selection. Yeah, okay. I agree. I agree. I'd say, look, certainly if one of the, if one of Getty or White gets injured, then that's where I, I think Burgess has to be next cab off the rank. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, yeah, it depends on on form and and how he's looking and if he's fit or not. But um, yeah, look, I think at the moment the Getty or White selections are no brainer. And um, yeah, it's yeah, one of the few. So, it's that. one of the few positions that you know we really do know who's going to be playing there. Yeah, and even then, if Genie is in good form, I don't think White gets off the bench. To be honest, but mm. um, yeah. Well, it's I mean, interesting what will happen with Burgess, though, isn't it? Because he comes back. The Rebels have got a spot in the squad due to an injury. Um, I can't remember who that is, but I've seen that there is a spot free. So does Burgess going to play? But if he plays, what happens to Nick Phipps and uh, and Sturzaker? Or is he going to go and play for Sydney Uni? Interesting uh, position. Uh, I think the Rebels. I think the Rebels start him. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rebels tell Nick Phipps to, you know, take a hike. And, and they say, well, we've got Burgess, who's our star recruit, and we've got Sturzacker, who's our, the future of our team. Nick Phipps, you've signed with the Waratahs next season. Um, Have a rest. You know, don't. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, why are we going to waste any more time developing you? Um, I, I mean, think that's in, the way they should go. Yeah, and it's probably will. I mean, I, I phrase that as if the as if Phipps left the Rebels when I think it was a bit more the Rebels left Phipps, and that was why Phipps has had to look look into state. That seems to be the way that certainly the Phipps camp has been phrasing it that they went and looked at Burgess, you know, um, without telling him, and and basically dudded Phipps, who's played every game for the Rebels in their history. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably, if I was the Rebels, what I'd do. Awesome. 
Uh, and speaking of people moving around, Shmoo, uh, Drew, one of Gagazones as well, he's a podcast favourite, um, off to France, play with his old mate Gitz. Yep. Yeah, and he, he's been in pretty good form recently. Um, but you can finally understand... starting to show that he's leaving the injuries behind. I think, and yeah, start to get, but... feel a little bit more confident when he goes out to play. Yeah, but at twenty nine, no doubt he's got a good dollar offer from Toulon. Um, he's going, as you say, with Gitz, um, and yeah, that's a superstar team that he's going to play for. It's yeah. almost like a world fifteen. So, you know, I think you get to surely you must get to a point in your career where you say. You know, I've done this and I've done this, and now I want to try something else. If I leave it till the time I'm 32, you know, is it too late? So I can understand him doing that. But but then the question becomes, what do you do with him? Because I don't think he's in the frame for selection in the Lions tour, and I think the logistics squad indicates that. But But let's say there is an injury and he was next guy in. Do you play him or give him a spot over, say, a young guy like, say, Tamani, who's playing really well? I don't think you do. I think again, you don't you don't kick him in the teeth and say we want nothing to do with you leaving Australian rugby. But you basically look at it and say, well, let's give one of the younger guys a go. Um, yeah, so that's what I think about Drew. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, he's playing really good rugby at the moment, and that's the kind of element of it that I'm disappointed about. In that he's just really starting to get back into form. And against the Hurricanes, I thought he was very good. And and I kind of disagree with you, Scott. I mean. Uh, well, I mean, fr- from Dean's perspective, it seems that Mitchell isn't in the frame for selection because um, he wasn't in that logistic squad. But that actually surprised me because Mitchell's been a bit of a favourite with Dean's and, and was rushed back at the end of last season when arguably he wasn't ready um, and he came onto the Wallabies bench for some big games. And I would have expected him to be right there in the in the team this year, to be honest. He, he offers a kicking game that no other Australian winger really has. He's got pace and he's got ability in contact I mean he I don't know if he'd be in my starting 15 but he'd be in my squad um but going forward the one thing that's sort of I suppose Mitchell must have considered and certainly Dean seems to have is Australian rugby has the only position other than seven where where we don't have a problem is wing where we've got you know a lot of really talented blokes out there we've got you know Beetham, Shipley, if you go through the franchises, Beetham, Shipley, Digby Iwani, Rod Davies has come back this week and carved up. We've got, you know, Israel Falau potentially at the Waratahs and you've got Tamani and Spate at the Brumbies and Clyde Rathbone sitting on the bench. You know, you've got guys, even guys on the fringes like Cooper Vuna, you've got Alfie Murphy. So Nick Cummins, Cummins is yet to come yeah. back. Yeah, so there's a plethora of talent there. So... Yeah, well, look, I don't, I don't think, think he would have made a decision to go to France without having got some indication from Robbie Deans that you're probably not in there. Um, because if there was any chance that he was still around for the Lions, you know, you would think he would have been trying to say to Toulon, look, I need to delay it for another month yeah. Um, yeah. or two. But, you know, it, it almost says to me that, you know, he's had a chat to Robbie and he sort of said, look, probably not in the short term and sort of said, oh, well, now everything's sort of the planets align, time to move on. I'm just purely guessing at that, but it seems a big call to be making a decision to move overseas now when the Lions squad is announced in, what, four weeks, five weeks. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
and also from the Waratahs' perspective, I mean, I, I don't think I, I know they made him an offer, but I don't think they'd be too sad to see him go. Um, he's a big earner on that roster, and they've got a lot of good young wingers coming through, guys like Tom Kingston, um, as well as you know guys like Michael Hodge and um, you know even Ben Volavola. Um, so. I think you know they're, they're well serviced in that outside back department. So not having Mitchell there is not a not a massive blow to the, to the Waratahs. Yep, uh, I think yep. that pretty much uh, settles that. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I reckon that's uh, pretty much us done. I've done my tipping, so I've got no more business here. Yeah, you clocked out. You clocked out about twenty minutes ago. Yeah, what were we talking about? No, no, I listened intently, and I've made up my mind. I think I think you're both right. And and do you want to go through this video that you wanted me to no, do for you? I don't. I think no. you, I've decided that you're going to make that a post on its own. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, and I and I look forward to reading it because I'm still not convinced. Okay. All right. I, I want you to write it all out for me. Is that all right? Sure. Uh, Oh no, we'll talk about it. I reckon we've got time because I want to see what Hugh thinks. Did you watch the you watch the Reds game, Hugh? Yes, I did. Uh, about the twelfth minute, twelve minutes and eight seconds in, I think roughly, um, there may have been a line out that turned into a maul. At which pace, at which point, Sam Kane came in to join the maul, and Steve Walsh grabbed him by the jersey, pulled him back out, and said, "Get out." I immediately got onto uh, email and sent an email to Scott and said, what the fuck just happened then? Oh, I don't understand it. Why wasn't he allowed to join us? Turned into a mall as far as I'm concerned. Let him in. Who, who is he to stop someone joining that? I mean, I know he's the ref and, you know, all that, but uh, <laughs> under what authority is he stopping him from joining? To which I got the, a very succinct reply saying that it was still a line-out and he's not allowed to join until the line-out's over, which is absolutely correct. But uh, on, on initial... Wait, so where was line, Kane coming from? Was Kane... He was, he was he in was the back line. In the back line. Oh, okay. Uh, the ball came down in, and to and my... And it was still on the line of touch. Well, yeah. yeah, it was still... Yeah, that's exactly right. So the key here is not so much anything else other than Steve Walsh still had his arm up. So the line out wasn't finished, which I overlooked at the time, but I thought it was very interesting and, and something worth talking about. And... Yeah. Um, but Steve, but pulling blokes out, I mean, God, he's... Well, you mean he physically grabbed him? Yeah, yeah. he did. Now, now, So what he should have done was he had his hand in the air signaling the line-out is still in play, so therefore no one can move forward. Kane rushes in, he's yelling at him, pointing at him, saying, don't come in, don't come in, don't come in. He should have he pinged comes in. He pulls him back by the jersey and says, go back where you were. He should have penalised him. Even though the Chiefs were on attack, he should have been penalised. Steve Walsh has gone troppo, though. He, he's, he's just starting to make up rules. Honestly, he, he well, I mean, as much as I like referees putting things back on the players, and but he did uh, one instance in that game which, which really was weird, and I've never seen it before done quite to this extent, was when the, Re- the Chiefs were attacking the Reds' line. The Chiefs knocked on. Uh, the Reds had a couple of breakdowns. Walsh was playing advantage. They played it back to Quade Cooper in the end goal, and Quade Cooper cleared to about the 22, a bit outside the 22, to which point Steve Walsh said when said to James Hall, what do you want? Do you want the scrum here or do you want that line out? And and Hall was like, I don't know, you know. Uh, you tell me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're the referee, mate. Like, 
and they eventually chose this. You know, they said, "Oh, we'll have the scrum," and I can't. You know, and then eventually the Reds were penalised from the scrum, but it, it was just the weirdest thing. I mean, just it's your job as a referee to to blow <laughs> to to say when the advantage is over, and if the advantage isn't over, then play the scrum. If it's if it's over, then play the line. It's kind of and this, you know, soaked up a couple of minutes, and it just kind of, I don't know, he, the things he says to players too, he's, he's just becoming increasingly erratic. Oh, I think he's the best referee in the competition. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, actually, I don't disagree with that. All, all said and done, he is still very good. <laughs> um, but <laughs> he's just, I don't know, he just does, has these weird turns where... He's got unusual game management. He ha- he yeah. certainly does have a, a some sort of complex where he does think he is slightly more important than he really is, um, and he you know he's he's always had that reputation as being a bit bit oh, of the uh, yeah exactly that 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 uh, thinking that people have come to watch him and not the players. Oh, I think you're drawing a very long bow there. I don't understand <laughs> how those two incidences make them about him. Oh, he, well, certainly both of them. Um, were strange game management because he should have penalised Kane, but he, he wanted to keep the game going, obviously, so he, he's physically ripped him out of the way. Um, and the other one, you're right, he should have decided the advantage, but he's decided that it must have been 50-50, so he'll, you know, as you say, he'll make up a rule as he goes along, but I don't know whether making up the rule says, I'm going to make this about me. Yeah, no, I, I, I suppose you're right there. Um I was probably a bit harsh to see, but he, look, he certainly does have that reputation. Yeah, in he's it's a, that he's a funny guy. I mean, I, um, I've got a video somewhere in my YouTube links about, you know, where he makes a decision and you just watch the camera, you just watch him and he sort of like thinks, yeah, all right, nah, nah. and then he makes up his mind. It's like, I'm not, he's just not really sure what he's going to do. And He's well, different to all, it's in his communication, funny. in his communication, he's different to all the other reps. He, an instance happened, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, he was refereeing a game in New Zealand, another game, and, and he blew a penalty. And the captain came up to him and said, oh, well, you know, he couldn't... Oh, it was, it was, I think it was for someone not rolling away. And they said, oh, he's trapped under... He, he was trapped under bodies. And Steve Ols said, yeah, yeah, you pr- you're probably right. I think that was a bad call. <laughs> and and uh, the captain said, oh, okay, well, thanks. Well, what are you going to do with that? But uh, and Steve just said, oh, sorry, mate, I'll try and get do, a, do better next time. <laughs> Well, he, well he, had one, uh, he had one like that on the weekend where he said to uh, Liam Messon, who was the chief captain, um, yeah, well, look, I can understand where you're coming from, but, you know, look, that's just my interpretation of advantage. So yeah. <laughs> where Messon was saying, hang on, we had the penalty advantage over there. It's come to this side of the field and now the advantage is over. So, yeah. And <laughs> no, I, I, know there I, make, I make no apologies. And... It's my, my <laughs> interpretation yeah. of it. Certainly, plenty of people accuse him of, of looking at himself on the big screen when he's waiting for decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and with hair but, like that, who wouldn't? Uh, yeah. But having magical. said that, I think he's performing the best of any referee in the comp at the moment. Yeah, I don't think I'd disagree with you there. Well, his games are never boring. <laughs> Even if it's not, you know, that you're just not there to watch him, you end up watching him anyway. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, let's uh, call it a night. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for coming and having a chat. Thanks for helping with my tips. If they're wrong, you're in trouble. Otherwise, thank you. All right. Thanks for having thank us. You're been welcome. a pleasure yeah. having Wang. Yeah. Time well spent. All, All right. right.
See I you later, you. guys. See ya. Thanks, Timzy. Right. Yeah, right there, right there.